1: Increasing Chinese aggression alerts the U.S. and allies in the Indo-Pacific.
2: China is an enemy of the United States. We are overly reliant on them, and they do have their tentacles everywhere. Gavin Newsom signs a gun bill
1: modeled from Texas's heartbeat bill. We're going to use it to save people's lives here in the state of California. The WHO declares a public health emergency over the monkeypox virus. The risk of the broader population is very small and we're gonna continue to work on making sure that we contain it. This is the Daybreak Insider Podcast. Your first look at today's top stories for Monday, July 25th. I'm Mike Scott. The Chinese military has become significantly more aggressive and dangerous over the past five years. According to the U.S. military, during a trip to the Indo-Pacific that included a stop Sunday in Indonesia, General Mark Milley, chairman of the Joint Chiefs of Staff, said the number of intercepts by Chinese aircraft and ships in the Pacific region with the U.S. and other allied forces has increased significantly over time, and the number of unsafe interactions has risen by similar proportions. His comments came as the U.S. redoubles its efforts to strengthen its relationship in the Pacific. Joe Khalil of News Nation says the rhetoric between China and the U.S continues to escalate.
3: It's been the perfect storm of tension uh, between the United States and China over this issue of Taiwan. And by the way, it's poised to get even more heated in the next couple of days. But you've had American uh, lawmakers, officials, military leaders, all critical of China for its posture toward Taiwan. And by the way, as you reference, that rhetoric is heating up on both sides of the Pacific.
1: Khalil goes on to explain that the war in Ukraine is also prompting officials in the U.S. to become more protective of Taiwan.
3: The Russian war in Ukraine has prompted American officials from both parties to be more aggressive toward China and more defensive of Taiwan, concerned about how the U.S. would respond if China really did decide to strike. Just this morning from Southeast Asia, America's top general, Mark Milley, said the Chinese military has, quote, become significantly more and noticeably more aggressive in this particular region.
1: Khalil says that House Speaker Nancy Pelosi came under fire for her decision to travel to Taiwan.
3: House Speaker Nancy Pelosi made waves this week after reports she's considering a trip to Taiwan, defying the Chinese government.
1: Khalil points out that while Biden advised Pelosi against traveling to Taiwan, the Speaker received praise... From an unlikely source.
3: In May, the president himself vowed to defend Taiwan from Chinese aggression, later walking back his comments. But Pelosi got some rare praise from a few Republicans who called the move a strong statement to China.
1: Senator John Thune of South Dakota says the best way to deter China's ambitions in the Pacific is for Ukraine to be successful against the Russians.
0: The best thing that could happen for the free world
3: and to um, essentially uh, rein in China and their ambitions is for the Ukrainians to be successful in defeating the Russians.
1: While CIA Director William Byrne says that China is learning from Russia's war in Ukraine, they're also building their military. If there's one lesson I think they may be drawing from Putin's experience
0: in Ukraine is you don't achieve you know, quick, decisive victories with
1: underwhelming force. News Nation's Khalil goes on to report that Taiwan is planning renewed military exercises.
3: Taiwan has planned military war games. These are essentially training exercises. And already they said that they have seen a Chinese naval reconnaissance ship off the coast of Taiwan. So just add that it's one more piece of tension between China, Taiwan and its defenders.
1: Brad Thor is author of Rising Tiger, a spy thriller set in the Asian subcontinent amid a potential conflict between India and China. Thor was a guest recently on the Salem News Channel, where he shined light on China's worrisome reach and influence in American life, and also why we need to be vigilant. Thor says China is like a mold, weaving its way into every facet. Of American life.
2: Even throughout academia there are some Chinese funded programs throughout the United States and if your university has one of those you can't get DOD funding which goes uh, to a lot of campuses and a lot of people don't know that the Department of Defense does this.
1: Thor explains why we see it on labels on everything from shoes to shirts to machines and electronics made in China and why that's not
2: always good. China is an enemy of the United States. We are overly reliant on them and they do have their tentacles everywhere. And we should be looking to get the garden shears out or the better yet the chainsaw and be slicing these off wherever we find them.
1: Thor says it's a very common practice with the Chinese communist to use spies to infiltrate high levels of government.
2: Last summer, my book, Black Ice, I had a Chinese honeypot operation in it, and I explained how it worked and how the Ministry for State Security in Beijing puts these women up to do these things in the United States. Thor goes on to say that
1: the U.S. isn't the only victim of China's subversive operations to steal
2: material to keep current in a rapidly changing world. They steal from everybody, but they steal very heavily from us, and we need to be taking it a lot more seriously.
1: A fast-moving brush fire near Yosemite National Park exploded in size Saturday into one of California's largest wildfires of the year, prompting evacuation orders for thousands of people and shutting off power to more than 2,000 homes and businesses. The Oak Fire started Friday afternoon in Mariposa County and by Saturday morning had rapidly grown to 10.2 square miles. Evacuation orders were put into effect Saturday for over 6,000 people living across a several-mile span in the sparsely populated rural area. CBS reporter Tom Waite has the latest on the front lines of the wildfires.
4: The Oak Fire on the outskirts of Yosemite National Park exploded overnight, forcing evacuations and threatening thousands of homes and businesses. California's relentless drought is fueling the flames, which have now destroyed at least 10 structures. Scorched over 6,500 acres and sent more than 6,000 people fleeing to safety since the fire erupted Friday afternoon.
2: We're the top priority fire in the state right now.
4: The wildfire just southwest of Yosemite sending up a towering plume of smoke, which has reduced visibility and shut down one of the main roads leading into the park. This latest threat comes just two weeks after flames from the Washburn fire came dangerously close to groves of the ancient giant sequoias. But today, firefighters are optimistic.
1: Waite says firefighters are hoping that weather will work in their favor in the coming days.
4: Firefighters are expecting weather conditions to cooperate overnight, and they are hoping to get containment on this fire by next Saturday.
1: The National Park Service Public Information Officer Kevin Sweeney says... While they are still investigating the cause of the Washburn fire in Yosemite, they believe it was started by a human. And also, one thing is clear.
5: Climate change has had a a horrible impact on the whole American West, and and certainly California. Um, These wildfires that we're
2: seeing are um, more severe, last longer, and are happening more frequently.
1: California Democrat Governor Gavin Newsom on Friday signed a gun control bill into law that will allow private citizens to sue anyone who manufactures, sells, transports, or distributes illegal assault weapons and ghost guns.
0: If they're going to use this framework to put women's lives at risk, we're going to use it to save people's lives here in the state of California. That's the spirit, the principle.
1: Behind this law. The measure was crafted in response to last year's Texas abortion ban that prohibits the procedure once a heartbeat is detected and allows private citizens to sue physicians, drivers, or anyone else who aids a woman in receiving an abortion for $10,000. MSNBC's Shepard Smith explains how that law works. Well, here's how it works it allows people to sue anybody who sells or manufactures illegal guns in the state of California, such
0: as assault weapons. If they win in court, the state will then award them a minimum of $10,000 for each violation, each weapon. The policy also applies to
1: ghost guns and parts that can be used to build guns at home. However, the law isn't without its critics. The ACLU condemned the law as being an assault on the Constitution. Rick Travis of California's Rifle and Pistol Association says the law is purely political.
4: To me, this
5: feels like the governor is playing a negotiating tool on the abortion issue and using firearms
1: to do it. Meanwhile, Newsom is also running an ad in three Texas newspapers, criticizing Texas Governor Greg Abbott for his record on guns and abortion. The effort comes after Newsom ran TV ads in Florida, criticizing that state's GOP Governor Ron DeSantis. The ads are fueling suggestions that Newsom could make a run for president in 2024. The 2022 midterm elections are now 109 days away, and Republicans have a 10-point lead in their bid to recapture control of Congress. More details on the most recent polling from Daybreak Insiders, Bernie Bennett. The latest Rasmussen Report's National Telephone and Online Survey finds that if the elections for Congress were held today, 49% of likely U.S. voters would vote for the Republican candidate, while 39% would vote for the Democrat. Just 4% would vote for some other candidate, but another 8% are not sure. The Republican lead is up two points from last week, when they led 48% to 40%. While 89% of Republican voters say that they would vote for their own party's congressional candidate, just 79% of Democrats would vote for the Democratic candidate. Bernie Bennett reporting. The suspect in the attempted assassination attack of Republican Representative Lee Zeldin of New York was arrested Saturday afternoon on a federal assault charge. U.S. Attorney's Office in the Western District of New York made that announcement David Jacoboni, 43, of Fairport, New York, has been charged with attempted assault in the second degree on the state level. The attack occurred when Jacoboni joined Zeldin on stage during a campaign rally, and then Zeldin noticed the man was clutching a weapon headed straight for the congressman's neck. Jacoboni was arraigned in a local court and then released on his own recognizance after Thursday's attack. Zeldin joined Mike Gallagher on the Salem Radio Network to discuss the attack and what he believes are policies that favor violent criminals.
5: There were men and women who instinctively jumped on the guy to subdue him instantly. I mean, was really good instincts by a number of attendees who were there. Uh, fortunately, I, I saw him coming at me with that weapon in his hand. It was, he was lunging towards my neck area and I just grabbed his wrist to hold him back uh, for what was just a few moments until everyone got in, and law enforcement was there within a few minutes, and and he was apprehended and, and gone. Although, as you just pointed out, it was just within hours after he tried to stab a sitting member of Congress at a political campaign event charged with a felony and instantly released due to New York's cashless bail laws, which is crazy.
1: Zeldin says people, like his attacker, who may have some mental health issues, aren't helped by putting them back on the street with no cash bail policies.
5: And this guy, the attacker himself, needed help. I, mean, I, I was told that he was a veteran. Maybe he came home with the mental wounds of war. I heard that he was a little under the influence. Maybe he needed some help to deal with that. You're not helping that person by putting them right back on the street. There are people like while you're processing somebody for an arrest and you identify that there's a mental health issue, maybe there's a drug addiction issue, you can assist that person.
1: Zeldin tells the Salem Radio Network that the policies harm people like his attacker who need mental assistance.
5: Now on a whole other level is the need to be weighing dangerousness. To look at flight risk and past criminal records and seriousness of the offense to make sure that if that this individual was released that there's some potential additional harm that might get caused and a judge would have the discretion to be able to effectively proactively avoid that by keeping that person behind bars. There is zero discretion whatsoever in New York under this charge. It's one of too many different uh, non-bail-eligible offenses, and he's released. And the person who actually, in my opinion, the person who ends up suffering the most because he gets released is that attacker.
1: Zeldin explains how the new cash bail law works in New York and also how it harms the community.
5: This is that, I would say, that, that huge dynamic of this issue where you need to give judges discretion to look at those other factors like dangerousness and flight risk and past criminal records, seriousness of the offense. So here in New York, we have had people get released on cashless bail and then go murder other people. Connie Torrey was a 93-year-old in Syracuse, murdered by somebody released on cashless bail. Somebody else gets released on an arson and then gets rearrested on a double manslaughter. After they were released on cashless bail...
1: The New York gubernatorial candidate goes on to say that public safety in his state has been eroded.
5: So there is an issue here in New York where crime and public safety is being eroded. Our law enforcement is not being supported. And one-party Democrat rule are looking for more ways to purposefully make it even worse. And we are reminded by the events of last night and this person being released exactly why we need to win this race and restore balance because we have to repeal cashless fail and this guy who attacked me last night would not have been released in the middle of the night as he was.
1: Treasury Secretary Janet Yellen acknowledged that the U.S. is starting to see an economic slowdown but downplayed the potential for a recession. The U.S. has experienced 13 straight months of soaring inflation ever since the Biden administration, including Yellen, dismissed concerns about rising costs and stated that the contributing factors were transitory.
3: The economy is slowing down. It, last year, it grew very rapidly at about five and a half percent, and that succeeded in putting people back to work who had lost their jobs during the pandemic. The labor market is now extremely strong. Um, even just during the last three months, uh, net job gains averaged 375000 This is not an economy that's in recession. But we're in a period of transition in which growth is slowing. And that's necessary and appropriate and um We need to be growing at a steady and sustainable pace.
1: Meantime, White House Minority Whip Steve Scalise says House Democrats are refusing to address inflation.
3: Here we are facing another week where Democrats will not bring up any bills on the House floor to lower gas prices, to lower inflation to secure America's border, to address the serious problems that families are facing.
1: House Appropriations Committee member Mario Diaz-Ballard says Democrats have the wrong approach for balancing the economy. Unlike what the Democrats continue to believe, you cannot address inflation by increasing spending. And yet that is what they're, they're trying to do again. Yellen's comments come as former Obama economic advisor Larry Summers told CNN on Sunday there is a high likelihood of a recession. Some small relief at the gas pump. The average price of gas going down slightly again. Daybreak Insider's Lisa Dwyer has more on the numbers as you fill up. The average price of regular grade gasoline plunged 32 cents over the past two weeks to $4.54 per gallon. Analyst Trilby Lundberg of the Lundberg Survey says... That the continued decline comes as crude oil costs have also declined. Lundberg says that further drops at the pump are likely as the wholesale gasoline price cuts continue making their way to street level. The price at the pump is down 55 cents over the past six weeks, but it's still $1.32 higher than a year ago. Nationwide, the highest average price for regular-grade gas was in Los Angeles at $5.65. The lowest average was in Baton Rouge, Louisiana at $3.90. The survey says the average price of diesel dropped $0.22 to $5.55. I'm Lisa Dwyer. And finally, the World Health Organization activated its highest alert level for the growing monkeypox outbreak declaring the virus a public health emergency of international concern. This rare designation means that the WHO now views the outbreak as a significant enough threat to global health that a coordinated international response is needed to prevent the virus from spreading further and potentially escalating into a pandemic. White House Virus Response Coordinator Dr. Ashish Jha says no one in the U.S., has died yet of monkeypox. Whether we declare a public health emergency here or not will be based on the facts on the ground and, and what that declaration will allow us to do. No decisions on that have been made so far. Ja says the U.S. has a little over 2,000 cases of monkeypox, and that includes two children. The risk of the broader population is very small, and we're going to continue to work on making sure that we contain it in the populations where it is being transmitted uh, and, and preventing it from spreading to others as well. Although the Declaration does not impose requirements on national governments, it serves as an urgent call to action. Subscribe to the Daybreak Insider podcast at Apple or Google Podcast, Spotify, or SalemPodcastNetwork.com. Get our companion Daybreak Insider newsletter each morning at DaybreakInsider.com.